by episode, storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code, with your host, <laughs> Charles Rose. Did I say that? Yeah. Harry Mullen. this thing about the, the, the real person, and we go, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions, live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh, yeah. And the question we're going to have starting off today, of course, is why for after three years am I always the last one let in? I just hit the buttons. I just hit the buttons. That's not, you don't let me in early. There's no pre-talk. This is all live. And I call him a moron. It, it, it's it's unscripted. I can know. It is unscripted. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Diane. I'm Hello, good. Chuck. How are you? Good. I, 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 um, I can be your therapist, but know that when I graduated from Berkeley, I thought that my biggest accomplishment was that I went four years without uh, taking a psych course. Oh. <laughs> so it's all, I didn't want to know how crazy I was. So <laughs> I, uh, it's all um, improvised on that. So any, but any help you need, I'm, I'm Okay, I may be calling you on that. <laughs> my daughter Maxine is studying to be a therapist, and, uh, oh. and she gets all her wisdom from me. So you know, yeah. No. Okay. Does she, Chuck? Does she ever try to like analyze you and? What do you, what do you, you mean? What do you mean? Do we ever have dinner together? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah. I love I'm, that. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm on the couch. Yes, I am with my. <laughs> Well, I'm oh, so sorry. curious, though. I mean, you know, we're joking about it, but did <laughs> did 90210 ever bring therapy into either of your lives? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, 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 uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to write a book. So this is whatever. No, I, yes, I needed therapy to know how to talk to Aaron Spelling because yeah. I had never met a man like him. I actually did. Uh, Diane, you remember Edgar Sherrick? Yes. Edgar Sherrick was a real, who was uh, um, Rudin, uh, you know, the, the one who was so horrible, the uh, the, the Broadway producer mm. at Rubin. That was his assistant at the time. And I, and I, that was the first time I went to therapy because I had never been yelled at by anybody for any reason like that Sherrick yelled at mm. me, um, um, work I had done for him. But but I needed to know how to talk to someone like Aaron Spelling. I had never met anyone like Aaron Spelling. You know, Duke Vincent was easy to learn how to talk to. You just right. raised your voice. Right. That's all you had to do with Duke. And then he'd raise his all right. voice. We're, we're somebody's, yeah. somebody's in the waiting room, and we're talking about season three, but we wanted to do a really special reunion for you, uh, Diane. So I know you love these surprises. Hello, Diamond. Hello, Diane. So good to see you. So good to see you as well. See, I'm, you don't change. Well, neither do you. Oh, and you are kind. <laughs> Peter, thank you for arranging this. It was really fun and my pleasure. I just yeah, want to of course. Thank you for me. thank you for doing this. I know you have a 
a, a busy schedule and all that. But Roe, of course, is a, an agent. Uh, just to let the fans know what we're talking about here, this is why it's a big deal. And Diane, you pro- when was the last time you saw Roe? A well, very long time yeah. ago. When did you leave LA? I left Los Angeles, Los Angeles in 2004. Well, then it would have been that. But I was thinking yeah. this morning, knowing we were doing this, all the clients I had on 90210. Yes. Josh Taylor, Jenny O'Hara, Kerry Keene, Thomas Wilson Brown. Yes. Um, oh, the best part though was my husband was Jenny Garth's father at the at their graduation. Oh, at commencement. This is amazing. The original father. This is crazy. The father Jeff. that nobody saw, but then you flashed on him. Yes. Yes. Diane called me and she knew that my husband was like very elegant and had the most amazing clothes. They wouldn't even have to wardrobe him. <laughs> and he, he did it. Diane, it's, amazing. I, it's so funny that you didn't remember that. I didn't. Every once in a while, I find it and I Google it. Ah, oh, I'm going to do that today. A <laughs> mystery has been solved. How would we get pick a pick the the dad of Kelly Taylor. It was Ro- from Roe Diamond. <laughs> was a f- husband, husband. Nepotism <laughs> rules 90210 again, right? <laughs> Not knowing that all these years later, 90210 would still be talking, be talked about oh like <laughs> on a podcast, multiple podcast shows and, and explored like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. And people have wondered, why were there two uh, fathers? Why did, why was, uh, you know, did, Kelly Taylor have a dad at the commencement and then a different dad later on in the series. And now we, now we kind of have an answer. Oh no. <laughs> Just muting some of this stuff. I'm so sorry. Oh, there are all these great names that you mentioned. Yes. Great actor. All of them. Two points. Uh, we are actually, Ryan Thomas Brown is getting married in Las Vegas. Right. And yes. Same Ryan, right? No, the zipper. You got you got it mixed up. You got it. I think. Fine. You, oh, no, so the, the most important one, of course, is your husband, the very debonair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he always struck me as, oh, he just walked out of the you know, the Hotel Cipriani in Venice, got on a private After. jet, and came to this uh, ceremony. He looks so much more elegant than anyone else there. Oh, Chuck, so, I love that you remembered that. That's so funny. And I think he, I mean, Josh Taylor was working the same day. And was, my husband's right. also an agent. My husband's, you know, one of our partners. So when he stepped out of the trailer and Josh said, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really fun. I know it's that still memorable. Great. And friends will see him like in repeat sometimes. Like, wait, is that Lewis? Okay. That's so amazing. Is you he can also, bro, you can also at the, at the dinner parties, um, comment if you want that while your husband was working, he was very safe because on the roof that day were armed um, uh, security force from the sheriff department. Oh my because god! Because we had had a bomb scare uh, two days <laughs> before. Yeah. Um, I guess Diane forgot to tell you that when she called my husband. <laughs> uh, uh, but... <laughs> well, my husband's a former Marine, Chuck. Well, so oh, he, yes, he would fit in great. <laughs> You would have all been very, very strange. And he must have, you know, it's surprising that he was sent there because if Duke Vincent would have known another Marine was on the premises, he would have been in command central, wherever that was. I don't know. Well, well, Ro, for you, um, connecting on 90210 with 
Diane. What was she, what was she like back then? Oh, <laughs> the best, the best. You know, I think for me, as an agent, you know, I, I'm like not. I don't have any wood around me. I mean, I'm doing this over fifty years, and um, my success has, I, I will say, has always been about casting directors. I mean, I very rarely have had to go over a casting director's head. I've never rare very rarely will have to go to a producer or studio. And Diane was, I don't want to embarrass you, Diane, but the best <laughs> of the best. I mean, I would just call her and great idea. Will they come read for me? Of course, because she also knew how to give direction in the room. She was so kind. And I think it's, you know, I don't think a lot of casting directors realize the influence they have on actors when they go in the room and how much they can get out of them with kindness, with, um, really just making them feel comfortable. And Diane was always at the head of the list for that. It was great. That's why she's missed. Yeah. <laughs> what about for you, uh, Diane, when you would deal with someone like Ro, I mean, if she brought someone to you, what was that experience like for you? I never had to worry. I never <laughs> ever had to worry because we had such open communication. Yeah. We had known each other for a long time and totally and completely trustworthy Thank and you. a wonderful human being and a, you know what she's just a good agent <laughs> you know Thank she's you. a really good agent she's fair in negotiations but does the best for her client I mean what can I say it's like I love I she is somebody who I did keep in contact with for a while after I left. I would talk to after uh, 90210 and also, you know, other shows. And, you know, I don't, rem I don't think I told you that I was leaving, but it, I don't remember that because I didn't, I just kind of left. You just but left. Said, you, she's somebody who I always would consider a friend. And actually when I called her, recently before I was starting this she she said the greatest thing I said oh I'm so glad you you know you'll talk to me and she goes well I'm not a fair weather friend I am your friend <laughs> and that was it was just I love that and this is why I love this woman and Louis Fabio everybody in the agency is wonderful but Ro is just you know I mean she's appropriately named <laughs> you know, just, thank you that's here how about <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about, go ahead, go ahead. No, Diane. I was just going to say, but it's, you know, I, I think for me, again, as an agent, thank you, Diane, for all of that. It's just wonderful when you trust somebody. And yes. I, you know, it's what I, you know, I know you're on a podcast, but I think what's so important, what I tell all young actors now, the reputation you start with is what stays with you with your entire career. I mean, that's it. And when I see difficult actors, it is just a, astonishing to me that they just don't know how quickly they're going to blow up makes mm. all the difference yeah well it's interesting too because with social media being so prevalent in those days you know 90210 we didn't have you didn't have social media you didn't have cell phones so there was no way to like know that this may have been happening on what was ha whatever was happening on set right like it was sort of nowadays things can blow up a lot quicker in, oh, in like in two seconds the minute it happens it's out there yeah Definitely. I just like to say that that trust that you're talking about, as, as Diane knows, really would carry over. Diane would always print where the actor, who, who they were represented. And when I saw the name of your agency, it was always, well, they're here, so uh, we're in good shape. You know, we're, we're, we're going to have the right person. And, and, and 
Diane would then, just to make sure that I wasn't falling asleep or wasn't dancing, <laughs> telling me, oh, represents this person. You know, it was like, Thank you, Chuck. because Chuck, that's Chuck, all I really needed to know. Thank uh, you. Well, well, when and when you reached out to me, was it last year about Josh Taylor? Correct. Mm -hmm. On that immediately. I know it was. I great. remember and, your name. Let's Love talk you. about some of this, by the way. Let's talk about some of the specific people that you brought, and and maybe you and Diane can share some memories about it. But let's talk about Josh Taylor. I mean, we were saying last week that he was so wonderfully casted on Nine Hundred Two One Zero as the Nine Hundred Two One Zero fan. That relationship between Dylan and and Jack McKay, the the you know that's Josh's character, or or even the the real life relationship between Josh and Luke was really beautiful and something touching, and and I think fans really gravitate to it's. There's some really beautiful stuff that happens through that only can happen with two really incredible actors working together. So uh, let's go with Ro bringing Josh into nine the world of nine hundred two one zero. Well, I mean, it's a long time ago that he got the job. I just remembered being so excited because it was such a hit. I He might have already been on, um, sorry, he might have already been on Days of Our Lives when he got that. I think he was. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I think he's been on that forever. Um, it was, you know, it was such a hit show. So for me, any client that was doing that show, it was so exciting. I think, you know, the one that stands out so much is um, Jenny O'Hara playing Nicole Tom's mother. Yes, let's uh, let's go there. Let's talk about her. Oh my God! And you know, it's Jenny has been my client since 1970. Isn't that crazy? That, that all is. the ones I'm mentioning right now are still with me. Are still. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. what, did and, you, what did you do? Did you start in the business like at 14? <laughs> <laughs> you do look amazing. Yeah. I graduated high school in 1970. I know how far 1970 was back then. <laughs> no. I became an agent the day that Jenny was signing with her agent in New York. He was hiring me that day. And that's how far back. And she still works. She's about to go do a two-woman show. I mean, it's, mm. it's crazy. But oh, that, that that stands out to me because I just remember how dramatic that role was. Yeah. And it was just, you know, I'm repeating myself, but every time somebody got a role on... 90210. It was just such a highlight in the office because it was so huge. It was Ro great. Ro, do you remember meeting Josh Taylor and how you came to how that came to be? Oh, I, I do. I work for um a little agency called Century Artists, and the man who owned the agency brought Josh in. And those were the days of contracts at Universal, which you know, you're way too young to even know that, but they'd have right. access to the contract and then loan them out. And Josh was under contract and he came in and I thought he had such an attitude and he got there and I was so, I don't know if to say I was mean to him, but I was just so dismissive. And then he sat there and he was so kind. And he said, you know, an agent is to be somebody that believes in you and an agent somebody that you should talk to. And it's like, all of a sudden we just had this transformation. It was so unbelievable. And to this day, he's just one of my favorite clients one of my favorite people he's just wonderful and dear and i think it's why he's always kept working yeah. people just love him but i remember so clearly sitting in the room meeting him for the first time and you know again this was mid late 70s mm. so uh, here i go again his reputation has just always been wonderful and another reason i think he's just always worked it's chuck great. referred to it as a touch of country he has a little bit of a touch of country right yeah and who's who's 
mother did Carrie Keene play? Noli Thornton was yeah. the actress, uh, and the character is uh, what's the character's name, Chuck? Test. Noli Thornton's. I can't hear you, Chuck. You muted. Yeah. You're muted. Chuck, something happened. You're not. We can't hear you. Well, oh, here you The go. character was named Roe Diamond, and but the censors <laughs> made me change the name, so I don't really. <laughs> Erica. Erica McKay. Erica. Erica McKay. Yeah. That's, that's when that's... we need Larry Mullins. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it. I was just <laughs> testing the waters to see. You... <laughs> uh, I know <laughs> Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But but she she also she's been on our podcast and she has said that she didn't was not even aware that because the character inevitably was scamming Dylan. I don't know if you remember this, Ro. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but that that Carrie wasn't even aware of that. She just played it totally honest that this woman was a totally honest person and That's was so shocked <laughs> by the fact that she was scamming Dylan this entire time. Oh, that's so funny. So tell me how about uh, tell me about meeting. Well, tell me about meeting Jenny O'Hara first. Oh, she was a Broadway actress. I mean, she had done Fig Leaves Are Falling, the very first one, and then. Um, you know, was signing with this agency and shortly after, oh no, let me go back. Okay. I, I, I was working for the Schubert organization. I was a secretary and I was able to go see any play I wanted for free. Jenny O'Hara was starring on Broadway with Sir Dylan Thomas. No, Sir. Yeah. Do I have it right? No, mm -hmm. Alec Guinness or Alec Guinness playing Dylan. And Jenny O'Hara was the ingenue. And this was 1964, 19. 63. And I remember being in awe of her then. I mean, that's how far back her career started and her brilliance. And then when mm. I was one of her agents, she got to do Promises, Promises on Broadway. Just never, ever, ever stopped working. And shortly after I moved to LA, she came here too. And we've been together ever since. In in incredible. incredible. And in fact, she just did Station 19 two weeks ago. I mean, it still mm. works. Um, for Diane, when talking about those two people, and you've kind of talked a little bit about them coming in the room, but Roe brings them in. What's your thoughts? It's a, okay, definitely going to be am amazing because Roe's bringing them in. But what are mm -hmm. your thoughts of that process? Yeah, you know what? It's you. It's just acceptance because you know they're going to walk into the room and they're going to be wonderful. Mm. And I knew Jenny better than I knew Josh but I mean Josh you know what we talked about warm welcoming and just a great great human being and it's you're not just a casting director when he talks to you you're a human being and there it's two different things and he he was so conscious of that all the time the fact that, yeah, oh, well, you know what? She can always give me a job, but he, he didn't think like that. He wasn't that guy. Yeah, he didn't think like that. And I don't know that, I don't think that Jenny did either because they addressed you as a human being. Oh, look at you, you know, this is great. I'm so glad to see you again. But it, but it wasn't a, a business only kind of thing, which was always appreciated and very, very nice because we are human beings. Mm. And um so I love that part about him and the fact that he was a nice actor and that yeah, everybody liked him. How great is that? You know, like mm. I think I've talked about it before that you, when you bring someone, an actor in someone like Josh and also Jenny, 
Plus you get the icing on the cake because it's from an agent who you like. You get a little, you get excited inside when the response is so positive. And it's like, I would have, I would always think, yay, yay. Everybody <laughs> likes, oh, yay, there I get the call. You know, they get the job, they get the job, that kind of a thing. And Jenny O'Hara is just a force unto herself. She is, I, I think I had hired, hadn't I hired her before? Oh, on Matlock. Sure yeah, Matlock. Of course. When I did the first season of Matlock. And she just. Wait a second. You did Matlock? Had That's I amazing. known that, Diane, I'm not sure that she would ever. <laughs> you know, I, I know Fred Silverman really well. And I knew <laughs> Dean Hargrove even better. And uh -oh. Dean, but Freddie, <laughs> Oliver Shalom, you know. Uh, okay. Anyway, just want to clarify Wait, that. Well, so, like, we're not talking ahead. about the 300 pound uh, gorilla yeah. in the room or elephant in the room, which is that. Yes, it was important that that Jenny was represented by Roe and that was really loved by Aunt Diane. But excuse me, <laughs> she was a friend of Paul Wagner. And if it was a friend of Paul Wagner, that even trumped being a friend of Diane Young. I mean, <laughs> if he wanted it, that was going to be, and we would go forward. Because again, you know, these, we're now talking with two people who love actors. We Paul do. Wagner loved actors. Yes. And then you have me. <laughs> so I'm going to listen to the people who love actors. Yeah. Well, these are the people who the actors love. So, okay. But Diane, who uh, that was wait. not my forte, uh, clearly. Uh, Go ahead, Rick. No, I just want to know, Diane, who, who was it when you did Matlock that used to make you cry all the time? <laughs> Freddie Silverman. <laughs> Diane, I remember Diane telling me she would have to go have a drink of water because if you have a drink of water, that will stop your crying. I still remember that, Diane. <laughs> it was very cold water. <laughs> well, no offense, Fred, but you were kind of cold too. So cold water for a cold individual. Yes, but, but, you know, Freddie... Peter will just enjoy this. Probably the people listening to the podcast won't even make a difference, but you'll enjoy this. So Fred inherits um, a eight-part miniseries called Roots yeah. that someone yeah. else had bought, that someone else had done. He looked at number one. He said, oh, my God, no one's going to watch us. Just put them on night after night and blow it off in February, and we'll, we'll move beyond it. And, of course, it became his greatest triumph as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> that show business right there, right there. Oh, man. That's pretty amazing. Well, Chuck, though, from a from the producer's standpoint, you were you were just talking before about talking to Aaron and learning how to speak to him. Um, you know, when Roe would bring in a Jenny or a Josh Taylor, it was was it like, hey, well, Roe's bringing them in. They're they've got to be really good. Was there was that was I just did, told you the peak. You had to be listening when I was <laughs> not, talking. No. I just told you that. Yeah, no, Mr. Spelling himself though. Was he involved? What about Mr. Spelling? Was he deeply involved in the casting no, process? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Not these parts, because these were, although we brought, well, he was interested in these parts. I shouldn't say that he wasn't, and he probably had back-channel conversations with Diane about them, but he really wasn't, they weren't held in his office. It wasn't part of the teen ensemble. That's what his prime interest was. Um, Jenny, we didn't know we were going to bring back. Um mm -hmm. Jenny, we hired originally for the show where Scott dies in the gun accident, and then oh, right. decided to deal so with. So incredible! Her. She's so good so at all of that. Oh my 
God. So it's that's like, oh. so those are two of the best performances we ever had. And, and uh, I mean, and then the incest episode is just so it's just presumption. Well, the incest episode is the one I'm referring to. Yeah, it is incredible. Her work is just so those two. Um, and and yes, Josh, yes, but but I think by this point, you know, also Aaron, you know, we're we're gonna be talking about season three. And by season three, Aaron's dance card got filled up. He yeah. did not have the same time for our show that he had for um that, that he had for 90210 in the first two seasons because he was busy salvaging uh, Melrose Place. Mm. Was that a spin was Melrose? Place a spinoff of 90210 or totally separate? Technically. It was, right? No, not technically. <laughs> specifically, yes, a spinoff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, 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 it, it, it follows the definition, Pete. We cast an actor who, who debuted on our show and, and then when, was a, in the other show. So it spins off and he's. And that, yeah, that's well, but like traditionally, a spinoff would how, be. David, what you talked about, like David is going to stay at high school and then they're all going to go off, the rest are going to go to college, right? That's kind of like the traditional way we know what a spinoff is. Like, you introduced Grant's show, show, and then it because of the... Oh, they went, no, 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 wrong. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the most famous spinoff, well, there's a lot of them, but you have to go, Norman Lear was really big with the spinoffs. Maud. So Classics. The Jeffersons, she and worked Maud. there, was there, and then she goes, she's a guest star, then she's got her own series. Laverne and, and That's the one I was going to say, Shirley Laverne and Shirley. Coming yeah. off of Happy Days, so. Yeah. No, the Ropers coming off of Three's Company, right? Yes. I, I didn't watch The Ropers. <laughs> and then Models, Inc. was the spinoff of Melrose Place. Is that right, Chuck? Maybe I, I, I think it is. Model, yeah, amazing. Um, oh, I forgot. Party. That's the only time I ever spoke to uh, Rupert Murdoch, but I didn't know it was a specific spinoff. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, probably was. I just didn't know it. You know. I, I, what I about meeting Carrie Keen, Ro? Um, Carrie Keen had just moved from Canada, and um, there was a wonderful producer named Bert Metcalf and Bernie Rothman who knew me and called and Carrie came in and it was a love fest. Mm. It was great. It's been a little bit tough. You know, it is that Caucasian woman who's, you know, with the, well, any Caucasian right now, it's just been very difficult. And Carrie, I think is at an age that's been tough, but, oh, the, but the best part, she runs an acting class and just loves she, it. And it's fabulous. She's doing amazing. Yeah. So she loves it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's been really, really terrific for her. So yeah. it's great, and she's found some wonderful talent. Yeah, um, who, did you say there was another one, or did I? Did I just was it so Thomas uh, Wilson Brown? Yeah. But he just did one. That's right. He did. He did like a season two. I think he does the. I forget what he what he did on nine hundred two and zero, but it was it was I don't great. Remember either. Yeah. Is he one of the frat uh, boys or something? So no, I think he like annoys Steve. I think he's a bad, in, I'm sure he's a bad boy. Yeah, he annoys Steve in the in in the in the uh, when he has detention, and then it builds into that whole thing with the the racing. I think I think that's what. Yeah. Oh, one one of the big five we still have left. That's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, this is great. Uh, Diane, is there anything you'd like to say to, to Ro here while we have you both here? I am just so glad to see her again oh, after all these you. years and hugs <laughs> to you. And we will, you know, 
We'll stay in contact now. Please. Well, Diane, call me again or text me. So I, I will I, definitely. I, I want to know about all that wine behind you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that your wine cellar? I hope. Oh, yes, it is actually. <laughs> it's a friend of mine owns a wine bar here in Moses Lake. And it's, I mean, how can I not come do a podcast without all this? <laughs> Just in case. Her bar across the top and everybody will come visit. For Ruth. sure. Well, so good. Roots. Roots. Roots, okay. okay. Peter, thank you so much for reaching out. It was just really my pleasure and I enjoyed it. And Chuck, finally, we're getting to meet, if not in person, this is as close as we're going to get these days. That's right. The others are the full. Great to see you. You Beautiful, Rose. Thank you. You know, the other thing I just want to say, which um, is just so sad since the pandemic, that most actors don't have the advantage now of meeting a casting director. Everything is done by self-tape. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to me, not to interrupt at all, but no, I, no, I've no, been no. hearing this a couple of times on this podcast, and I just, I don't understand, because pers- the person to person is so important, I, I always thought. It's, you know, from a casting director's point of view, a lot of them love it, they don't have to go to their office, and they can do five series, because they just sit there and keep watching tapes. For me as an agent, there's one side that's very easy, because I can get a self-tape appointment for anybody, where you can't always get your client seen for every job. I also have the advantage of looking at their work. And if it's something that I feel really pops, I'm going to pick up the phone and call the casting director and say, make sure you watch this one, make sure you go to scene two or three. But I feel the actors are missing out by a good casting director giving them direction in the room. Mm. That they don't have that advantage to say, you know, step out, bring it up a little, bring it mm. down, be off book. They're all on their own. And that's really been hard for a lot of them. Yeah, so, so much about it is reading a room, right? And and yeah. you can't even, re- how do you read a Zoom? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I... You froze up, bud. I think it was going to be really great, though. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever he was saying. Was, <laughs> there he is. Are you back? There you are. are you back, Chuck? There you go. What did you uh, say? Well, about? I was going to ask. Like, oh, it's telling me my internet is unstable. Like, I need this to tell me this. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was saying that, you know, you were so good. I would want you to dub in and, and be the, the, the voice of the people once the show was done, because you read so well with them, uh-huh. you know, casting them. And that was what I got used to thinking what it should sound like and then you know it's as, as, as Pete knows a little bit from both of you, I came out of radio so a lot of my and I would even be in the, the room with the with the um in, in the laybacks and stuff I would just close my eyes and listen to the shows because I felt that many times people watch television while they're reading a magazine so what are you hearing was as, as important as what you were seeing um, Peter, has Jenny done the podcast? She did our super show. We would love to have her come back and okay. and, and I mean, yeah and do that episode that we were, both of those episodes we were talking about. Yeah. So she's just yeah. so lovely in that. But just, Roby, yeah. before you go, I'm all about gratitude. I just want to thank you for the work that you've done over the last. You said 50 years. Is that is that right? And plus, yes. Yeah, thank I you. mean because you just especially particularly with this show, you brought us some really lovely actors that fans are super connected to and in a, in a in a level that sometimes I'm blown away by you know of a performance or something so just thank you for what you've done over the last uh, 50 years because it's brought so many people great work but really great entertainment and 
we know, of course, that that helps people in their own lives as they're, uh, I just watched Meet Cute, which is another one of your clients. Yeah. And it was so proud. incredibly well done and well written and performed and all that. So you've had a touch in so much stuff and just thank you for all of that. Thank you so much. And I'm lucky that I still love what I do. I mean, how many people can, you know, people keep saying to me, when are you going to stop? When are you going to retire? And my answer now is when I don't enjoy it anymore. I mean, that's it. And I'm blessed that I do. Yeah. That's Keep at it. Cause thank I think you. the best stuff is yet to come. So thank, thank you, you so Peter and reach out about Jenny. I'll be happy we'll do. to get her back. Okay. Oh, bye. 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 What a beautiful morning to be reunited with an old friend like that. Right. Diane. So great. So, so great. All right. Season three guys, let's get into this. Now, last time we were talking, you said the riots were happening in between seasons two and three. And that's what you remember about getting into season three, Diane. Yes, actually it's kind it's, that was a definitive. Yes. Um, <laughs> what I remember about it is that we had, I think it Chuck, you and I had talked about my meeting, my coming back a little bit early so that I could meet a lot of people because there was going to be so much, much more casting. And we were trying to figure out when, well, then it was going to be closer to the beginning of May, which was, I think that Paul Wagner was still there at the end of April. And I showed up and he's like, why are you here? And I said, well, this is what we're doing. And the riots had just started. And so that's what I remember is how, and I lived out in the San Fernando Valley, Northeast San Fernando Valley. And it was, you know, everything was quieter going to work and making the decision, am I going to go? Do we, are we still gonna do this? That type of thing. And you would hear on the news all the time. And I had friends who had um, police radios, CB radio, something like that. And they would talk about how people were coming to different parts of the city and mm. what was happening. And it was, it was it was pretty scary, but you'd go and you'd stop and get gas and everybody, it would be quiet, very, very quiet, as I remember. And everybody kind of kept to themselves mm. at the time. But it was in that atmosphere, which was to me distinctly different for Los mm. Angeles you know, to go to work at that time. But that's, yeah, that's a huge memory for me. And so I started in at that same time that the riots started uh, seeing actors and meet just meeting actors. And I would just send out, well, this is not a blend. This is just, who should I meet? Who do you have that might be new or I should see again who has grown that mm. I should meet for this next season because we're having a variety of... Um, new new uh, roles come up and i'd like to meet some new people yeah and there's a lot to talk about i want to ask chuck though first we always talk about the th five seasons that you did the different seasons what was season three for you see Sen senior year and you finally we, got we, that see, yeah. yeah senior year um this was my favorite year we've talked about this we had the re we had enough resources to make a show not beg, borrow, and steal to make a show as we did in the first two seasons. And we um, we were in real time so that we, it was 
it felt like much more of a high school experience because let's face it in in suburban and and more fluent high schools the kids are talking about what are they going to do in college what are they going to do next year even if even if that next year is i'm going to go in the army right. um that their, their future is what they're thinking about mm-hmm. and we never got to do that in high school it was all you know kind of just what what's going on this one and and let you know because there was still the notion of being standalones so this also right. was the first season that we really got to do some serialized stuff we talked about it with the legacy key that went on from getting back to high school all the way to the very end of graduation we talked about it relative to college where were they going to go how was it going to work you know brenda with with the with the little um curly cue that i'm going to be going to minnesota instead right and and that you know the the and of course the impact of the triangle which, as we talked about, came right out of season two and Luke's desire to not be play second fiddle to Burrow's place or, in his case, to Grand Show. Right. So there was a lot happening and there was more roles to cast here. And And also the other part of it was, and and it was, um, this leads into the riots, that it was also a pact between... uh, it's what I miss most fondly about working with Steve and Jessica was season three was the pack. We had lost Aaron Starr. Hmm. We had we had lost the, the creator of the show, uh, a writer whose scripts were always on the money. You know, there'd be very little. What you'd have to worry about, Darren, if, if you're not listening. So I know I can say this. <laughs> uh, what you're worried about with Dar- Darren is what is he going to get the script on the day it's due? Like he would never worry about the quality of the script right um but this was one that we really vowed that we were going to do make it our best year and work really hard and and and, um, and 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 figure out how to do it and uh steve and jess immediately glommed on to the notion of having a triangle because that was the part and parcel of a soap culture which i didn't really even know but you know and and being able to use that and and jessica being so amazing at, at recapping stories, talking a mile a minute that the network couldn't, and and God knows, Mister Spelling could not keep up with what she was saying <laughs> because she'd just say it with such authority so quickly that you'd have just you know you know I you know no one ever said or Jessica slow down and right was, and I'm glad they never did because a lot got through that might not have if she had slowed down. So. When we talk about the incest episode, I mean that you've told me is was Jessica pitching that to and getting that through. I mean, I can't even imagine. Of course, and doing it in the way that you knew how she pitched, Diane. And then Tori does this, and then Tori does that, and then Tori does that. All the other characters we talk, <laughs> right. we, we refer to by their names, except for Donna was always Tori. Right. So hey, Diane. We had a, and we did that. And listen, I, I'll be that. This is Charles as as you know, manipulator and and partial cynic that I knew that that even probably more than Mr. Spelling did what a sensitive topic doing incest on television in 1994 was excuse me 1992 was and so to be able to get that through it 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 had to have his support or this one was going to get thrown out yeah, well we'll, we'll 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 definitely dive into that. Hey, Diane, was was Darren leaving 
Did that affect you in any way? Not too much. I liked him. I thought he was, he, I thought he was pretty quirky and funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, pretty easy to talk to. And in that area, sure, you know, but specifically, no. Yeah, not he was really. not too involved in the casting process prior to? Not really. I don't, I'm trying to remember. Mm -hmm. um, no, that was, that was Paul. Yeah. Paul, as the, Paul and yeah. Jessica were much more involved with casting. Yeah, and then Karen, Karen would be my proxy sometimes. Yes, Karen was, because um, Paul came in on episode six, right? So he right, was, with six yeah. to seven, that, right. that transition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some people from this season. Why don't we start with Jennifer Grant, who yeah. is going to be Celeste, uh, Steve's girlfriend, comes from a family, uh, you know, Cary Grant's da daughter, right? I yes. mean. Yes. This is an incredible lineage. So um, did you know that? I guess you must have known that, Diane, right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'm trying to remember who her agent was at the time. And, God, but I can't for, well, obviously it's 30 years later. <laughs> but it's, I remember talking to her agent on the phone and he said, well, it's Carrie Grant and Diane Cannon's daughter. And I was like, oh, okay. And I think I said before on the podcast that I was always open to second generation and yeah. third generation in some cases because they need breaks just like everybody else does. So, you know, well, let's just, you know, have her in and see. And that she had, you know, was studying, doing these things. And so I had her come in to read for me. And she was, you know, nice girl. Very yeah. Nice girl. And it's, and I never, ever brought up parents at mm. all, because it was always about who was in front of me. And um, I don't think that I ever even said anything to her about her lineage at all. It's um... sure. Chuck did. did you... <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't. I didn't care. But I'll tell you the one that was even more uh, like, let's protect this person's lineage. There was a young girl came in very pretty woman, young woman, came in as a PA for a summer and oh, worked in the Valley. And everybody liked Sydney. She was so yeah. nice. Nice to meet you, Sydney. This is Sydney. Goodbye, Sydney. Yes, I'll have this for lunch today, Sydney. Great to see you. Goodbye. She was just nice, fit in. And I remember being very beautiful. I did not realize until she left that Paul said to me, this, that was Sydney Portier's daughter. Oh, so um you know uh what a twist probably high so that would didn't phase me at all but right. you know it's celebrities but it was just all of that you know it's just you know there are people who get exposed like and they're people or diane would professionally and you come in or, or you're grow up in los angeles and you're in such a situation that your friends become friends with the big movie stars children as my son avery was very very close growing up with um, Malcolm Washington, Denzel's son. Mm. And, and I remember we had a basketball tournament and we were, we were um, Rancho Park. We were West LA. We were a sophisticated part of town and we were playing against Pan Pacific and, and, and um, Malcolm Washington played for Pan Pacific and my son played for, for um, Century City and I was the second coach. Mm. And 
and all these parents they were nice jobs nice things they were all like like screaming fan Denzel Washington's here watching the game you know it's just <laughs> I mean that is a part of Los Angeles but when you grow up in it especially in a, a more like a Beverly Hills or you're in the industry there's no okay time for that so that's why oftentimes when celebrities are here in Los Angeles and they go out they're just kind of treated like normal people and right. they like that yeah well, what about the Jennifer Grant, Chuck? Did, I mean, were you you had to be aware that it was Cary Grant's daughter, right? In the room? I didn't care. No, I wasn't aware and I didn't care. She was the one that was good. She was in the room. Everybody said, yes, I'll say yes. <laughs> and, and believe me, there were very few times that I said yes, that it was no. And the only time those would happen when, when we should talk about next mm. uh, is um, with Dean Kane. Let's talk about Dean Kane. Because Dean Kane was what came in to read for Monsieur Rick, as did Mark Kiley. Right. It's important and, because uh, both of them wind up in that season. So yeah. That's right. And mm -hmm. and Karen and I were were just we were really smitten. Karen was in on those casting sessions because she uh had created the character of Reed. Mm -hmm. The writers were always welcome in our casting sessions. So and and this was in Mr. Spelling's office, and we both really responded to Mark Kiley. And Mr. you know, saw Dean Kane, and that's who he wanted. So we created a different role for Mark. Yeah. Okay, so Diane, how much of that do you remember? <laughs> Dean Kane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember Dean Kane coming in and reading him and just really liking him. And he was very approachable which was terrific, very friendly, approachable. And whenever I saw him on the set afterwards, he was he was just really good. Nice guy, very nice so, guy. So this kind of reminds me of when we, we talked about season six uh, and there was the debate between the Colin Robbins character. There's two, two people mm -hmm. that, two different people want a different person, right? You know, um, so in terms of that, knowing that Chuck and Karen are really into the idea of Mark Kylie for for that role of uh, of Rick, uh, mm -hmm. and then and that others are seeing Dean Cain. Where do you sit in a in a tough situation like that? That part of it I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> because I like them both. But in going through my um, all the interviews and readings that I had before the season started. I saw my notes on Mark Kiley when I met him for the first time, and but I didn't see them on Dean. Um, so tell me about Mark Kiley. What what were what were some of your notes about Mark? Yeah, I have it right here. <laughs> it's um, I wrote down unapproachable at first, but look out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's like, oh, okay. I don't know about this, but oh, wow watch what happens because mm -hmm. so that to me is really great yeah. really really great because it's like boom you know there's a transition and it's unexpected mark, mark has been on this uh podcast and been very uh yeah. appreciative of his 90210 time oh. but pete it's not you know the difference is is that is that for all of us and there was no bitching and moaning about it out of yeah. my office right because Mr. Spelling's names were on the check. My name was not on the check. So in that situation, you just roll with the, with he, what he yeah. wants. And and like you said, and, and yeah. deal with it. Yeah. 
and like you said, create a character for Mark Kiley. I had a I had an experience. I, I had an overall deal with Disney, and I created a show without going into too much depth. In that Jeffrey Katzenberg was ready to put on the air as written, and he couldn't for a Walt Disney, like the fabulous world of Walt Disney, to be one of their rotating series to be on it, and um, it got uh, didn't go forward. And I couldn't believe it. And as someone said to me, even Jeffrey Katzenberg has a boss. His name right. was Michael Eisner, and they were having a war at the time. So I was a victim. You got of caught it. in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah moving on. So. Mm. Um, about Mark, I want to go back to him for a minute. I loved him as an actor, and I got to know him as a person, and we became friends. And I met his wife. We had dinner, you know, multiple times. And I just, he was. He's just a really good actor. Mm. Just a really good actor. And again, um, one of the people that I like a lot because they're a good person, you know, same as, same as Dean, I thought. Um, so I didn't want that to go unsaid because I, I am still to this day a huge fan of Mark Kiley's. Huge, and I always will be. I think you brought a lot to that, that character that you did Absolutely. inevitably write for him. To Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Gil Myers. Um, and for Dean Cain, Chuck, what did you inevitably think of his performances as Rick? Sweet. They, you know, I, I, um, uh, you know, that he, he went on. I, I know there was one director who thought that he could give more to the, the acting part of it, that he was a little raw. No, he was not. He was Dean was on a track to become a professional football player and Ivy Leaguer going right to the NFL. That didn't happen. He said, oh, well, I'll try acting. And I think that's about when we picked him up. And, you know, and he's a very handsome man. And and uh, and that's what Aaron would always look for first. And then the others would, um, the other elements would come into play. So he had the look. And once you had a spelling look, you were dealing with the spelling look, and and um, no matter what that was, and 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 it would you know, it would change sometimes. It would was it you couldn't predict <laughs> if 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 ten Farrah Fawcett's walked in the room, only one of them was the real Farrah Fawcett. The other nine were also, you know, very model esque, attractive, um, contemporary, whatever else Aaron was looking for, and and he knew what he wanted, and he was it was. It was an Aaron Spelling production. Right. Well, it wasn't an Aaron Spelling production, was it? It was a Torrand production. Tori <laughs> for Tori and and the and the Rand for for Randy. Oh, that's Torrand very cute. Yeah, company. yeah. Um, I think about what I used to think about going to Aaron's office. You just it was, you know, he was such an icon at that time, and here you're finally working with him or for him. And you don't want, you want to bring your two or three best people to him for the role. And although you can't control what goes, happens in the room, you just want him to know that you've done the best, the best you can for mm. that role. You know, you've done your, you've done your, your legwork and you're bringing people that the producers like. I had talked to Tony about everybody, Tony Shepard, and 
So I would assume that Aaron knew, had heard some of the names. Right. And it just, it's something you don't walk into Aaron Spelling's office not knowing what might happen, you know, that everybody's going to be decent in the room mm. or a good, you know, give a good reading. That that's you don't go in there bringing someone who doesn't do their best, and sometimes it's very intimidating walking. I was going to ask ball. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. very intimidating because it's like, oh wow, they had that uh, that pinball game with the spelling family's picture on it, and you know, a beautiful fisheye fish tank and this long, mm. long, long sofa. Um, so you've got to bring you try to bring your A game to him. And we've heard about, I mean, on that note about feeling intimidated, were there actors through the years that you said that, that you can sense were nervous or intimidated that you had to maybe say, hey, it's going to be okay, just do what you do or something like that? Uh, sometimes when actors came in, you could, I would, sometimes I saw them out in the waiting room first and I said, oh, I'm so great you're here. We're looking forward to your reading, that kind of a thing but we spaced them apart so that they wouldn't run into each other. Mm. And when they came into the room, it was, you tried, you introduced Mr. Spelling pretty much sat to my left or my right. And I would introduce him and then say, well, you know, Chuck and whoever else was, you know, everybody else who was in the room. And just, I would try to make them as comfortable as possible because they were sitting directly in front of me. And mm. that's how, how we would read together. And he had small tables, not a big coffee table or anything. So you just do your best to be friendly and open and comfortable and not be uptight. And, oh, this is, you know, I know this is really important. It's got to go perfectly because, it, you know, yes and no. You know, everybody's like I've said before today that we're all human beings and things can go wrong, sure. but you just make them as comfortable as possible. And you make that eye contact with the actor and mm. you smile, they sit down, they meet everybody, and then we start to read. And that's the part that they have been through before several times. Right. And you make it, you, you just make it comfortable for them. All right. Someone else we should talk about Dana Barron. It's a huge part in that season as Nikki Witt. Um, and of course, she was in uh, the one of the vacation movies. The very first uh, one. Yeah. yeah. She is in the original vacation, yes. right? The one that we all sort of watched. Um, what do you remember yeah. about Dana? <laughs> well, here's something I don't know that I've brought up before. Uh, when I was working at Warner Brothers, I was first brought up brought over to Warner Brothers during a strike. And there were three feature films being shot and Marion Doherty needed an assistant. And one of the movies was the original vacation. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a little piece of trivia. And so I, were, I worked on the original vacation and it was being shot out of state, which is why it wasn't affected by the strike. And that's, my beginning with Dana Barron, although I didn't cast her, I would, you know. You did um, meet her through that, that when she yes. was young and you always oh, yeah. had her in the back oh, yeah. of your mind, for sure, yes. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I was in my, I think that by that, about mid, early mid 20s, something like that. So, and like I've said before, multiple times on the podcast, you remember people. Yeah, and I think Dana is very memorable on 90210. Chuck, do you remember her from, vacation and then coming 
around? No, I, I, I didn't remember her. I was too busy looking at Christy Brinkley. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I do remember there was a movie. It wasn't it wasn't a Charles. You know, I'm more of a Sidney Lumet kind of uh, waiting for the, that. Those movies would excite me or the Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> Not so much uh, a vacation, um, but at the same time, I was really excited. Uh, remember the moment I met her, the moment I'm seeing her work with, um, and because she was younger too, so she, she was working in the beginning, and you know that first summer crush, it was with David, um, you know Silver, it was with Brian. So we had right. she was with the younger ones, and I wanted, um, we wanted uh, uh, Brandon to to have a younger girl. You know, be you know for him and him kind of kind of break down and you know want to have another girlfriend after Christine, uh, you know after after Emily Valentine and 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 she just and it was just perfect. Um, what I remember about her as a person is probably much more than her as an actress, which was her wanting and and I must have fielded five pitches from her like in the, the craft service table okay. in 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 the christmas party whenever it was to just let's do an episode where the entire gang goes to africa and gets involved in a social issue there that was her social issue and it that never stopped that that's and and wow. then dana and i we got to see each other um, years later we, we worked for a, a camp um uh, called Camp Harmony that my kids were counselors for this camp that worked with homeless kids. And she was uh, someone who was there as a facilitator for the group. And she was just great. She's a very great peer. And it really shocks me um, that she has, she doesn't have an aptitude for tech. She just seemed like somebody who was just really bright and, and there. And you're talking because I have no aptitude. Yeah, but the she, super has, show. she has none either, had so. problems logging in and yeah, what, you know, what, it's, what. <laughs> it, it, it's it's the carol potter club yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um well, don't we all <laughs> and i'm in it i'm in it i'm a, I'm a yeah. you know uh, outreach person chuck i'm curious you've told me about this africa pitch and, and jessica has mentioned it as well so she was pitching jessica as well oh sure i'm sure we're i mean and I'm sure you got pitches from people from cast at times like that, or not that particularly, but nope, just no, no, only only Ian with the idea that he wanted to write, and he had the idea to try to bring in Alzheimer's. We talked about that. What you did do? That was the that was the only one. The only one who pitched me on anything else was James Eckhouse to be a um, uh, a a director. Nobody else pitched me on anything because Jason directed right in the first season because he just knew if I want to be a director, I'm a director. It doesn't matter what this showrunner says. Right. And he Fair knew enough. that to be. Yeah. Um, oh, and Luke pitched, I want to work with the blonde. So there, 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 there. Oh, that was my, uh, on my invitation. Sure. But that so when Dana again, did it, was there any I consideration this, of right? it? Did you think I, about I, it and say, I'm going to take this over to somebody and talk about this Africa trip? I mean, did, was there any consideration of it whatsoever? Or was it just like, I can't do this. This is not happening. I can't do this. This is not happening. I couldn't send them to Paris. Let alone send them to Africa, <laughs> even, if, even if I wanted to send them to Africa. Intentions were good. Just can't be. It just is not realistic in that. In that. Nor creatively did I understand how it was going to fit into what we needed to do. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, Nicole Tom. 
Nicole Tom. Do you remember Nicole Tom? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, she was well known as a young, as a quote unquote child actress, but she was much more than that. And I knew her, uh, her teacher, her acting coach really well. And a woman named Diane Harden, who was married to Jerry Harden mm -hmm. and the actor. And Nicole, I had seen Nicole before. I had met her before. Just really liked her. And I knew that she could, she'd be terrific. I just knew she would. Chuck, in, in the case of Dana and Nicole Tom, we've talked about a little bit before that you thought maybe they're the, back to the spinoff conversation that maybe there would be a spinoff of the the people that stayed at the school. Are you, were you dually looking for, you know, like, as you look for the storylines and you were casting these parts, like, well, Nicole Tom is somebody that I could see being here next year. No, well, <laughs> not Nicole Tom, because I, I wouldn't know what to do. I, I may be good at pointing out something like, well, there was incest going on in that house, but what to do with an incest survivor was beyond my pay grade. <laughs> fair that fair enough. So yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't have an idea about that. Dana had already left the show and though they were really separate with Nicole Tom. The only thing is, and it's funny, I, Karen's former writing partner, and we talked about this, Rob Stern and I went on to create the nanny and I was stunned. And I think I even made a point of Diane saying this to her that when Nicole went on that show right after ours, I, I looked at Nicole Tom and went, you know, when is Scorsese going to cast her? Mm. I mean, I, I had really high regard for her as an actress. And uh, and I was surprised, you know, obviously you get an offer, you get an offer. It's a series regular. The the money is jacked up two, three times what you had been expecting and and um, and and whatever else. I, so there, there are compelling reasons to take jobs that aren't necessarily um, only directed by a select few, but I, I really had high regard for her talent. And she's and, incredible. And yes. uh, really mm -hmm. thought she carried a very, very difficult role off and um, it was great. So that was my only thoughts about her was just, you know, that, you know, people, you know, wonder, you know, how, how did that actor end up here and not end up there? And it's, you know, as, as Diane's talked about, you know, she, you read uh, Leo DiCaprio. You read, uh, did you do Brad Pitt too? He was mm -hmm. going oh, yeah. into things. Yeah, I hired him twice on Growing Pains. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they don't get cast and then they become Brad yeah. Pitt. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, 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 you never can, that's why I don't think that actors, I mean, maybe stars do, stars are their own thing, but, you know, to condescend to someone who didn't reach that plateau, but it seems to me with actors, they they all realize, and, and, and it's it's the sincerity that are in their speeches when they win awards, is that, you know, therefore, but the grace of God, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm working retail, or I'm, or I'm working, you know, uh, uh, on a traveling, uh, um, you know, national so, tour, yeah. not on Broadway, you know, I mean, it, it's such a, <laughs> it's so arbitrary. And it's so, you know, you, I just was reading something before coming on here that, you know, Margot Robbie was basically, she almost didn't do, uh, she rather quit the business than do the Wolf of Wall Street. She said, okay, I'll do one more, see if anything happens. Because of, it's incredible. Because she's Margot Robbie. So, yeah, of course. you know, how, 
it, it, so I really feel that with actors. Yeah. I feel that writers, the one thing I liked about writers and, and when I was started out being a writer, uh, knowing that my father was a doctor and not in show business, I didn't see that as a negative because a writer you, uh, who, who's not talented, but whose father is, or her father is in show business, gets one chance. Maybe two, but after that, you either got to deliver or not. An actor, you know, you can get, you know, I'm doing this because this is person's this person's friend, sure. or this and that, and 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 those things, um, you know, you, you you can build a nice career out of being a marginal talent versus a you know a knockout. Um, Diane, I should ask you about that though. I mean, talking about growing pains, you did, were you a part of the casting of Leo? No, that happened um i did the first five seasons of growing pains and i believe he came in the seventh season that's and right the casting director by the name of john levy mm -hmm. did that and john was at warner brothers for a long time and he's he's a terrific casting director obviously good find obviously right yes, yeah definitely. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh okay how about uh paula tricky that's not one of them. What's <laughs> next? Well, but you, but you have a good Paula tricky, tricky story about being interested in the room and what everybody thought of her and all that. All I remember about Paula Tricky is actually me getting out down on my knees and crawling around the room. <laughs> I, I do remember that at the end. I, I had been. There, she was the sex. Dina Meyer was a very also had that that really like oh my god I've never met someone who looks like this. Um, Garcelle Bouvet, who was a personal friend for a lot of years, had that kind of thing. The beauty is just so you know outstanding, and and Paula was that uh, you know she just had it all, and and she would be the perfect person that a a, a man going through midlife in a in an executive position that meant mid-management, upper middle management, this would be, you know, oh my God, if I have this as an assistant, I'm, I'm this person, I'm in trouble. And, right. um, you know, that's why I worked hard uh, not to have that person as an assistant. Do you have a thought on that, on Paula Tricky, Diane? Oh, that that's a reading I'll, I'll never forget, that casting session. <laughs> And I pre-read her and, and knew, I mean, she's stunning. And she gave a great reading. So I, you know, set her up and she came in and she wore that white dress. And every jaw in that room dropped. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I knew when Paul Wagner, who was, a, was out and proud early, early yes. before anyone I knew in Hollywood, when his jaw dropped, then I knew this is the cat too. Yeah. But, but then she acted and she was great. And she was just, I wanted her to come work for me, but I, I you know, she was an actress. <laughs> well, but, and, but what she did that was so terrific, I mean, she really owned the role in the reading. And did you remember her walk, you know, kneeling over the, the coffee table? Yes, I do. In the reading, and she's reading <laughs> with me, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" But everybody, I could tell everybody loved that. That yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put Diane in an uncomfortable position, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> part of it, 
it's part of the reading and part of the session. And I, and I knew, I said, she's, this is her role. This is her role. And that's what you, that's what you want. That's what you wish for. Yeah. You know, well, somebody... that, I mean, that's so important to, to deliver what, knowing what the part is and what, how yes. to impress yes. the room with what you're doing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Impress the room. <laughs> uh, Thirty-two Peter, years later, we're talking about this. <laughs> Peter Peter Kraus, uh, who's Peter gone on to do amazing was, things. Yes, he was really a good actor, and he was also one of the actors that I met previous to the season starting. And I had seen his name earlier today, but I just remember—I mean, he pretty much had it all. Um. He was attractive. He held himself well, and he was a good actor, just a really good actor, and nice and easy. I've used that before that term, but just a nice, easy actor. And I was one of the people I was really, really happy about. Mm. And we we kept that relationship going uh, off camera. There were we made at least a couple of references and scripts that right. that Andrea had. Uh, kept in touch with him a and then b that he uh uh then had broken up with her in, in a letter uh, you know, mm -hmm. and so they were kind of so you never really knew how much they had done off camera together made allusions mm -hmm. obviously not not totally sexual but they, they were an item uh, in their own and and he was terrific and uh i've always uh and, and look forward to someday He'll be behind me in a line in CBS or something, and I, I'll get to turn her and say, you know, you did. Uh, we got you in nine hundred two and zero pretty early on. I never, I never ever reached out to his people to see if he would do this podcast. I mean, maybe that's a possibility down the line. I don't know where it it, it stands in his <laughs> his library of work, but I'll I mean, get it done soon. Pete, yeah, absolutely. You know, come on, I'll tell you what. Let's go over the names. Okay. This is for the fans, so I'm sorry. I just got to do it. And Diane, you'll just do a couple minutes without me. Okay. I'll let Pete go through the name. I'll go real quick, say something, and then you guys will do a little more in depth or not. Yeah, for sure. Whatever yeah. you do, it'll be like when I would leave when my when Lindsay was small, and Karen and I would get when we were doing 90210. Yes. Karen and I would get in the car, and she'd be all upset because the babies were crying, and I'd be pulling away from the house going. Funny, I can't hear him. Can't hear him. <laughs> so whatever you're saying, I won't be able to hear, but I will remark it. And uh, we've been doing this for three years, and certainly we had a lot of fun times doing this podcast. Um, really special shows. We were going to do another Christmas show this year, and we, we just and and this is in that top ten, Diane, of the wow. times to get to see you and and really hang out and go take deep dives into our casting life because it was so important. And and you made my life so much better by by doing such a great job and how you did it, uh, and that was always will be appreciated. That I mean, these episodes are doing incredible. People are just talking about the, these casting episodes, and so it's really cool to see that people care about the work that you did. You know. All right, let's go through them, Pete. Right from All the right. top, David Arquette. David Arquette did the role only as a favor to Bobby Roth, the director of the Horsewoman, who talking about 2023 about his fabulous work as a director okay 
the Creole sisters, you've already kind of covered them. Um, I want, yeah, we did. I, I wanted to do a, uh, a series called Deep Duck PI and I needed triplets. So I knew that triplets existed. And uh, so when we needed twins, taking part of the twins from the triplets was really a good idea. And they were a lot of fun. And then we've had them on the podcast and, and really enjoyed uh, them as well. Daryl Thomas Utley is the little boy who is deaf. And, and Diane, we'll, we'll get your comments on all these people. We're just doing the Chuck's quick, rundown quick, quick money to, round. To, <laughs> to, to humor me, yes. Yeah. I appreciate okay. it. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the, all stories that pretty much had to do with special needs characters came from Paul. And Paul knew this young actor, knew the mother was an actress, and just felt very strongly that we could do something really great during the summer thing. And, and I wanted to have a camp, um, you know, because I wanted to get uh, Lindsay back on the show. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Rosie O'Donnell is in this. Rosie O'Donnell came as a favor to Jessica, who knew people in the comedy world. And um, Rosie uh, uh, did the role and, when, and then found out, and I did a special honorarium in for her and um you know to the to the charity of her choice whatever it was and she got back to me or to jessica and let her know that what i gave wasn't enough how did you handle that uh i handled it two ways i went public with it right now for the first time <laughs> and secondly she got nothing more that's it. Uh, okay, Seth Green. Seth Green, I just championed him. That was such a big, you know, the Princeton uh, boys to men, making men out of boys or whatever it was. It was Chip Johannesson's, I think, second script for us. It was an off the charts. We knew we were, oh my God, he's, it's not just the one really great script. We got going to get a lot out of Chip. And it was such a beautifully written um, a fun script because it had the drag racing on one side. Mm. It had the um, and and we haven't really done this one either, and so we that's, that's one, another one we'll take a deep dive into, and and it was um, it just was done you know really well. And I know that years later, when someone was talking about the series, they pointed out that it was the last true high school episode we did, and I mm. can't disagree with that because the next episode after this. Jack McKay gets out of, of, of prison, right? And that's going to lead to a boat exploding. That's going to lead to a whole other, you know, level of melodrama we were had never dealt with before. The casting of the horsewoman, Alice Krieg. Uh, these were friends of Bobby Roth's. Got it. Um, let's see. Robert Costanzo. Robert Costanzo took a directing class with Karen, and that Robert Costanzo is the voice of the of the angels That's in right. "It's a Totally Happening Christmas," which was uh, an idea that I had come up with how to do a Christmas episode, and I thought it was a little crazy. And I called up uh, Stephen Jess and said, "I got this crazy idea to have like talking stars and do a whole thing on it's a total. It's it, it's a you know uh, it's the." Jimmy Stewart movie, and um, 
they went away, then we lost him. And then the only way that he could, well, I love it. And okay, we're going <laughs> forward. I think I wrote that one in a, Karen and I wrote that one in about three days. Incredible. Yeah. And we're going to be doing some fun stuff on our Christmas show with, with that. Uh, we'll talk about that at some other point. Um, Burt Reynolds, do you want to talk about that? Burt Reynolds, we wanted to have some, you know, the Hollywood thing. And we, we this was Jason's first episode that he was going to be directing. We called it Ditch Day. Ditch Day, they had that at Beverly Hills High School. So we just took from Ditch Day. And we just wanted to make it kind of a crazy kind of day. And in the Peach Pit, we wanted to have it kind of, you know, we needed something that just wasn't with the kids on leaving the set. So we did a big Peach Pit heavy one about, you know, stars coming in and fan clubs and all a really crazy plot written by our our um, a first AD who wanted to be a writer, Ken Stringer, who was uh, you know, kind of a key player in the 90210 world, especially during Double Ups. We talked about him. He was the czar of the Double Ups. But we we wanted to have it be these, you know, this Hollywood fan club. And so we needed to create a Hollywood fan club to create somebody was a big enough sure. star, an old line star that would have a lot of people. And um, we reached out to Clint Eastwood and he said no. And Mr. Spelling made the personal call to Bert Reynolds and Bert Reynolds said yes. That's amazing. All right, Chuck, I think that's all the names that I have really for you. And now I'm going to sit with Diane and talk about some of those same names and some other names as well. Thank you so much because I have to just get to a doctor's appointment and I can't be late. So I do appreciate it all. Diane, love you, and uh, we'll be in Washington one of these days, and we'll, even though I, I'm sure that somewhere in that wine bar there's a bottle of whiskey for me. So you know what? Open. It will, I will bring it. It will uh, be okay. here. It will be here for you. Thank you. Have good, good holiday season, good health, and best wishes on everything. Thank you. You as well. And just, I can't thank you enough. All right. Hi to I'll see you. I'll Thank see you. I'll, I'll see you soon, Chuck. Okay, let's go, Thank Diane. You. Let's talk about David Arquette. Do you remember David Arquette? Your version of David Arquette? Oh, my version <laughs> of David Arquette. I I do remember David Arquette. I didn't remember what Chuck said about him. I knew that he was a friend of Luke's, and uh -huh. you know he he was a known actor around and had a man because I saw his name this morning as well. And he's not, I really liked him. Nice guy. Nice I guy. thought he was great. He did an awesome job. And in this, so this is not something that he would have to read, read for, right? Oh yeah. He, he read for the part. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I believe so. It's, um, I mean, he's great as the, the, the rock and roll boyfriend diesel. That's his name. I think. Yeah. I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to go back and look at all these episodes. Sorry. No, it's very good. Yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah. The, Everybody, the, I'm trying to, you know, like Burt Reynolds obviously didn't. That was written for mm -hmm. him. I'm trying to remember mo the majority of people, 99% of the people came in and read. Um, the Creole sisters, do you remember the triplets? No, they were on Growing Pains as well, I think. Yes, they were. I yeah, in fact, I think one of them told me, maybe Leanne that Kirk Cameron went to her like prom or something, some he, spring dance he, with her or yeah. something. Yeah. They yeah. dated. Oh, okay. Yeah. They dated early on. Yes. And I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah. I think it was, we needed twins and I forget how, 
I found them. Maybe it was through an acting teacher or something who called me because mm -hmm. I, you know, contacts everywhere. And they said, well, we have triplets. And I was like, oh my God. And I went to those producers and said, what about triplets? And they were like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and nice people, nice girls from Orange County came in with their mom and just... I've known them forever. And the minute this came up, it was like, oh, I know. <laughs> it's the Creoles. <laughs> yeah, they're so great. I mean, they've done their podcast. I've I've stayed in touch with Monica. She's uh -huh. lovely. And and uh they I thought they were great on this in the summer episodes here that they did. Yeah. Just I mean, great, great people. Oh. So do they read as <laughs> the triplets? How did they how do they come in or do they immediately get it because we need triplets and here they are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here you know here's your uh here's your twins or whatever and yeah uh, here i have an extra one do you want <laughs> do you want to use her for anything yeah, yeah right. exactly and yeah. it changes the whole dynamics and of course on a half hour it, it's just they're they're a little bit crazy anyway and right. i knew it very well and it was just it was a fun time and so when this came up you know you bring well here i know one of, i knew that one of them was not acting right. and um you know having had the history with them mm. you know, it's just the it's a creels it's just amazing what about the, that many <laughs> right exactly what about the little boy that was the uh that thomas daryl thomas utley the deaf boy do you remember the casting him um i remember him coming in obviously chuck told the story of paul wagner and i he's uh, absolutely correct about it and my assistant kelly her mother um god i think did she teach asl something uh she was very much involved in that as a teacher and so she came i said please ask your mom if she'd come in and sit on the readings. And I cleared it with the producers and Paul, everything was just fine. And so um, Kelly's mother, Bonnie came in and sat in on the readings. And it was just when we brought him in, it was like, oh, wow, look at this. And there, oh. yeah, you know, speechless about it because it was just so touching. He's lovely. He does such a wonderful job. And Gabriella, so we should acknowledge as well, is just, you know, is playing off of him in that episode. And she also does. I think she also was a, I think she was involved with that as well, like that she knew sign language and all of, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah, I remember that a little bit, not specifics on it, but yes, definitely. And so it was something that everybody kind of got into and it just it makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. huge difference in a casting session another actress who is her name is alexandra wilson i don't know if you recall this person but she plays brooke alexander and the character brooke alexander is is essentially a rate a racist character you know what i mean she's she she has strong opinions and she's she's saying a lot of general statements about different types of people do you remember Alexandra? I've she's been on the podcast. She's very lovely. She's from around this area. I've gotten lunch with mm -hmm. her. She's she's very sweet. Um, do you remember casting her? And was the fact that this role that it was going to be something extreme like this was that something that you had difficulty in casting? Um, I didn't have difficulty in casting because I just thought of it as part of the character, and the actress would bring to it what they brought. 
And when I read her, I liked her right away. Um, I didn't say anything about what was coming up. Mm-hmm. as I remember. Now that could be incorrect after all these years. But I I just like I liked her. I just liked her. And I thought she did just such a real she handled it well. Yeah. She's lovely. She's a yeah. fantastic yeah. actress. Uh David Cheryl, who 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 comes in as a homeless man here a couple of times, war yes. vet. Do you remember David? Uh he was a friend of Jason's. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. he came he came in and did a good job so i mean a friend of jason a friend of luke we talked about you bring them in you read them but and there might be a thought of like okay well we'll lean to him but there i'm sure are times if the actor doesn't deliver then you're just like what are we gonna you know there's nothing you can do about it right i mean yeah yeah and i think that as a friend of a cast member you're pulling for them, let them be, you know, terrific or whatever. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to go with whoever the best actor for the role is. And even though the friend might have given an equally good reading, it might be something that the producers saw within who we went with if it wasn't the friend mm-hmm. of the series regular, because there's no guarantees. Right, exactly. No guarantees. You have to do what's best for the show. Right. And mm-hmm. that's all that's something that has to stay in the forefront of your mind. It's gotta be the best for the show. Totally. Um, okay, how about Jeff Doucette? The he played as the janitor. Uh yeah. yeah. Again, um, he was I think a friend of Jessica's and Steve. That's right. Yeah. And nice actor. He'd been around for a while. He came in, he read, he was terrific. And you love one of the great character actors, you know, in Hollywood, there are all these people, character actors around. And when you have a role like that to be able to bring in Jeff Doucette for 90210, it's like, here he comes. This is, yeah. you know, and that's the only way I can describe it because sometimes you're, you're limited in what you need as for an actor, you know, guidelines. And just he did a great job he was great um Kamala Lopez Kamala Lopez I remember her a little bit and nice actress yeah now Kamala Lopez came on our podcast and she remembered having difficulty with Shannon and you know that that she had observed something on with the girls and they were picking dresses and all this stuff and picking from the different racks and you know they maybe pulled something of hers that she was supposed to wear and then they they did what they wanted with it i mean were you are you aware of kamala having that problem does she tell that to you or are you not in, not involved in that i didn't know about that specifically but i had heard it at other times yeah and it's it's just one of those things you go oh, okay okay and you just put it in the back of your head so like does the like does a road diamond not road diamond specifically but does the agent tell you like I just want to let you know that there was this thing that had happened and I just to protect them to protect their client you know from that incident like you know how this the political world of acting can be especially oh, yeah. on on that show and they just want to cover everybody like hey I don't know what happened here but just letting you be aware I don't remember that specifically happening on the show. And um, I don't remember hearing about it. 
but I would, yes, if I knew the agent well, mm -hmm. then yes, I would definitely get a call. Right. And this is just, you know, between us or, you know, whatever. And don't bring it to anybody's attention, but this is what happened. And generally, I the only person I would talk to about it would be the agent. And then I would tell my, talk to, I'd tell Kelly because she works on the show. Sure. Too. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, like you, that would never like, I mean, of course you're going to deal with the agent again. You're going to bring a different yeah. actor and you're going to, yeah. it would always kind of like keep the relationship strong. Yes, absolutely. It was, it never, something like that, you know, it, it just, it's one of the things when you work on a show like 90210. Totally. Also, sure, all shows, even a Growing Pains, right? There's yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Growing Pains had its own problems in a different area. Right. Well, the actor is someone who is, I mean, I don't know if you've been following the news, but Cameron, uh, uh, Candace Cameron has gotten herself in a little trouble over the last couple of days. You know, she's just saying how she, you know, they're a very religious family, which is wonderful. I mean, no, there's nothing, There's I'm not dismissing that, but it definitely leads to some awkward comments and things that they, how they approach it, mm -hmm. you know, in the acting world. See, I don't, I, I did read about it on Instagram mm -hmm. and I saw it on Facebook and I just... You know, I have great respect for that family. I've known them for a very, very long time. And I have to, I have great respect for them saying things like this in this day and age because it's what they believe. Yeah, and it's not easy to say. No, it's not easy to say. And you knew right away that there somebody was going to say something against it yeah. because that always happens. And I give it to them for standing up for their beliefs. Totally. You, you can't you can't go against that. It's true. Even if it's something that you disagree with, you know what I mean? The approach, you know, you still have to give credit yeah, for going. Yeah, you know, but here's something controversial. I don't know that I do. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it. I don't know that I do. Right. It's, um, it's who she is and more power to her. For sure. Okay, what's your take on the Rosie O'Donnell coming on to the show? Do you remember that? Or oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, she was coming on to the show. I forget how it all came about, but all I what I remember is that I got a call late, late the night before she was going to be on the show and was asking for a limo. And um, you know what? Let me correct that. Maybe not a limo, but a car and a driver. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's like almost midnight. And how am I going to handle this? And I, I just didn't, I thought, what do I do? Who do I call? That kind of thing. And because it was very late, and I remember that specifically, when the agent, her agent called, I just said, you know what? I'll come pick her up. And I'll take her. And that's what you did? That's what I did. It was against every rule in Hollywood. And they can sue me now all these years later. Who cares? I mean, it's just a wild. And how was she when you picked her up? Because now you, I mean, you're the casting director. You're not the car service. You know, now, um, by the way, it's just an Uber. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, now you I just do. get a black yeah. car Uber and it's done. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I mean. No, I went to her house and picked her up. And she, she got in the car and she said, <laughs> She said something to me 
that I hear you think that I'm I'm difficult or a princess or something like that. And I just said, I think I had my dogs in my back seat. And I said, I have my I think I did. I had my I said my dogs are in the back seat. Come on in. Let's go. Let's go. It was like, you know, four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning. Now, what is the fallout of something like that? Do you, I'm sure you tell Paul, I'm sure you tell people that I brought her here. I don't know what, I don't know. Yes, I went to the unit production manager who was someone else and it was not Paul. Mm -hmm. I do believe, yeah, Paul had to have heard about it the next day. But when I came in, I went over to the unit production manager's office and I said, this is a call I got. This is the time I got the call. This is what I did. And he looked at me and he said, no, no, you don't do that you make the call. And I said, okay, fine. You tell me who to call at that time of night. Yeah. And I will do that if it ever happens again, but I never want it to happen again. This was my best solution at this time of night. Right. And this is what I did. Fire me. Right. And so did she get a, did she get a ride back to the, her house? Yes, she and... did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> yeah. Not you, though. I'm sure there no, was a, was not the driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you try to be as nice as you can. But yes, that is what I remember. What was she like on, do you remember what she was like on set? Was she easy? Like do... I was not on the set. I, mm -hmm. I I brought her to the set. And you had I things going on. That's on set, right? I yeah. Left. <laughs> yeah, the driving detail was done, right? Yes, it yeah. was done, and I went home, got a little bit more sleep, and then went to work and said, hello. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happened. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, taking the task, so there you go. The one part, you know, the, the that horse, Wild Horses episode is controversial. Fans either love it or hate it. Most do not care for the horse uh, storyline. Mm -hmm. uh, Alice Krieg? Krieg, yeah I mean what are you what are your memories of casting her um she was a friend of Bobby Ross the director mm -hmm. and I remember bringing her in did I no did she come in yes because she came in and she read and it was and she left and it was dead silence in the room except for the director who thought she was so fabulous so this is a time when you re you read the, talking about Roe earlier. You read the room, and the room was not excited. No, no. And what was going through my my mind at the time, and this rarely happened, was, "Oh my God, what are we going to do?" But it was not up to me; it was up to the director. And, and so the director loved him, and everybody just went along with it. Yep. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't remember what everybody else was talking about in the room because all I could think about was what are we gonna do? Yeah, what how do we handle this? Yeah, right. How do we handle this? And so I, I remember hearing it a little bit and then I heard my name and there we go. And she's and they were like Booker, and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you know, she she's it's not good. It is she's a wonderful actress. I know that she's done horror stuff and mm -hmm. and I know that she's done things, but it's not great. It's not no. a great episode. So it does not it did not get better. Yeah. <laughs> um <No. laughs> uh okay, how about Valerie Wildman? Oh, she's such a terrific human being and what a good actress. Yeah, and we've had her on here exactly, a bunch. She's just so lovely. Yeah. She is just exactly what the role needed. Yeah. 
so perfect. And I, I had hired her another time. And so she was one of those people you pull and, oh yeah, she's terrific. Oh. She's someone else who went back a few more times with that whole story. And I think she's got a long-term relationship with Josh Taylor like from that television show. I believe they played, I believe that they were on whatever that is, Days of Our Lives. I think that they had a relationship as characters on that show. I'm pretty sure. Good. <laughs> because that helped. If it yeah. was before then, I didn't realize that. And it helped. Yeah. Or, you know, I didn't. I have forgotten it. So. The, they've known each other for a very long time. So that it And was... that helps so much if indeed it came before the role yeah. that did for us, you know, because they're comfortable with each other. They know she, each other. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, Melanie Smith. Do you remember Melanie Smith? Melanie Smith has a small role in the series. Um, it's Steve uh, is going to tell his mom that he got suspended from school and uh, over the whole legacy key thing. And Melanie Smith is like the intern that's working for this reunion show for the Hartley House show. Oh, and, and, but Melanie Smith also had a, a, a part in Seinfeld in which she was uh, in the shrinkage stuff. She was Jerry's girlfriend at that time of that. Oh, okay, with George. Yeah. 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 Um, I wish I could now. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, um, Thomas Wilson Brown came up earlier. Do yes. you remember him? I, I do remember him because he's one of Rose and a nice actor. Good actor. Yeah. And he, I think he did a couple of, uh, two or three. I feel like he may have done more than yeah. one for sure. Yeah. Seth Green. Seth Green, I knew him before. He was—he's just a really good actor. Mm -hmm. And when he—when I called about him for the role, I was just like, "Yeah, okay, great. Is he available? And would he be interested in this?" And he was—you know—he's a kid actor, but man, what an actor! And he's great in it too. And I mean, yeah. like, he's—he's—I would love to know one day what he thought of doing Nine Hundred Two Hundred because I know he's like a fan of like pop culture-y kind of things, and he's been in a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Give him a call. <laughs> yeah, we will try. Uh, what about Burt Reynolds? Do you remember Burt Reynolds? I um, I remember hearing about him being on the show, and all I had to do was um, put him on the cast list and, you know, get the information. Because all of that, so on someone, with someone on that level, I've, I'm, and it comes from higher ups. I'm not that involved in it at all. But of course, you know, oh, you know, you go over and you go over to the dressing rooms. Is he going to be here? Yes, he is. Okay, great. Then you go over and say, hi, this is who I am. Thank you for doing the show. And right. I moved on. Okay, he's Burt Reynolds. Oh, yay. That's amazing. Um, okay, what about um, Michael Durrell is another parent oh. who gets cast as, yes. as, you know, Donna Martin's dad. Yes. Michael Durrell is someone, another one of those actors that I knew from my casting assistant days and casting secretary days. And he came in on everything. He's such a good consummate character actor, just so good. And I think I hired him on every single show I ever cast. And That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. There are some people who are just who I always wanted to do that for. And if something came up, yes. He had a recurring role on Matlock <laughs> as a lawyer. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that there was recurring roles on Matlock, but that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, That's a whole other series. That, that's, yeah. a, that's a podcast. We'll cover that next, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, he's, 
a great, great human being. And he was so happy to come in. And he's like, oh, Diane, I'm so glad to see you. And I was so happy. I'm just happy when actors who want to come in and they do and they do a great job and then they get a role that lasts all this time he lasted the whole se series yeah. i mean they did kill the character off at some point but 10 that's seasons of 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 working on that show i mean yeah. that's a, a that's a big accomplishment for an actor who came in for just a couple of episodes probably yeah and he's just he's just good yeah you know, and I'm, again, I'm pleased that they liked him and that he would come in and do the job. It, it's just, it's great. It's just great. Uh, the record executive, Raymond O'Connor, that's Raymond yes. O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I, again, I think I hired him on Growing Pains and he was so funny. He's so good as this oh, character. He's yeah. so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, let's bring him in for this. And yeah. I, I just love him. Just, you know, love him as an actor and a person. Great guy. Billy Vera. Is Duke, Vera, the is... I don't think I had too much to do with. I think I got a call saying, would you bring him in? I and think I he's friend of Chuck, I think is what That's... Larry, FOC, friend of Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember last, on um, the last one we did that, um, I think Larry knew him too, or they had mutual friends or something. And I said, oh, Billy Vera, Billy Vera and the Beaters. You yeah, because that's who he he wrote a lot of music too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He wrote something that. in Growing Pains. He wrote a song that was in uh, not, uh, Family Ties, actually. Family yeah. Ties. Oh gosh, yeah. So it, no, yeah. And I I went up and introduced myself to him. Oh, nice guy. Yeah. Um, also on the list of nice guys. <laughs> Michael Anthony Rollins. I'm trying to see who he was on 90210. I remember his name, and I yeah. I saw oh. him. Where was it? But he's an he's younger and he's just and I remember him being nice too, a good actor. Oh, he's was John Jordan was he Jordan Jordan Bonner? Maybe? Yeah. Yes. He's Andrea's one of Andrea's boyfriends. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just great name. He worked on the paper with her, didn't he? Uh I think so. I think briefly he was he was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all the names I have from season three. So this has been so much fun. We're going to do a fan fest with you at some point where fans get to ask you more follow-up questions to these seven episodes that we covered, mm -hmm. uh, which will be a lot of fun. But has this been fun revisiting the casting of 90210? Um. Y yes and no. And <laughs> no, only because of the the year intervening years and lack of memory and i huh. didn't keep as many notes as i probably should have so that i could remember everything sure and definitely yes because i kind of dug in my heels for a bit as you know and think <laughs> yeah. oh god because i always i was never uh in front of the camera kind of person i always wanted to be behind the camera and just keep you know my privacy and all of that kind of a thing and I didn't want people to know me I think it was because in Los Angeles if any if anybody saw me outside and they were an actor if I was shopping or something I would get yelled at in the middle of a mall and I'd be like oh my well, god did you, did you I, when we first I don't know if we ever told this on the, the, the story on the air but you told me there was something like that with maybe Marissa Tomei did I am I yes. making that yes long tell long me long about long. tell tell long people that's yeah I 
<laughs> I don't know that I want to go there. Um, no, she just, you know, I heard my name and I was like, oh, and, and it was Marissa. And Diane, Diane, this is before Marissa Tomei is Marissa Tomei. Yes, this is when Marissa exactly. Tomei is starting out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she was so nice. Just a nice, she's a very nice person. Um, well, there's a thing about actors like needing to know who all the casting directors yes. are in town because, you know, they could help lead them to some part or some role. Yes, yes. And I was, I did a couple of shows that were very popular in a certain age group. And well, she's it, definitely somebody that, you know, would be looking for you. <laughs> and, and it's, um, and I tell you why, when I lived in Studio City, an actor found out where I lived. Oh, that must have been awkward. And, and moved in next door. Oh, my God. And I, I at that point, that's when I, I bought a house and moved to what was uh, a kind of a rural section of the San, far east, San, northeast San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the uh, who lived out there were a lot of stuntmen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait, so when the actor moved next door, were you like, I don't know how I'm still not casting you? No, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just I tried my the best that I could to of I would say hello, but it was my life. I mean, this is like a lifetime movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like a you know it's, yeah. it's a and, crazy and it, move. Well, I could, but you know what? I can understand to a certain degree. I guess and, so, but it's like a big, it's like you're invading someone's private. I mean, now it would be just, they followed you on Instagram. Exactly. In an obsessive way. Yeah. But, yes. but um, then it was moving but, in. Was it for, were they trying to get on 90210 or a show like that? Or? Well, it was during um, Growing Pains. I see. Mm -hmm. When Growing Pains was so incredibly popular as well. And those were the two shows that people of a certain age group, you know. It, yeah, I mean, that must have been difficult in your, for your life at that time. It, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, and you do the best you can. You can't be all things to everyone. That's and it. It, it's one of those things, you know, you do the best you can. And there were things that happened on growing pains that were a little scary or a lot scary and um maybe not as much on 90210 mm -hmm. but because and it was later maybe i handled them better because i was a little bit older but it did it does affect you yeah maybe we should do growing pains next no <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of there's a crossover segment of our fans that love growing pants. I do love that show. And you got you did cast a lot of great people on that. Well, it, it was a great fun show. And I knew the producers from when I was an assistant at Mary Tyler Moore. And they came over when they made the uh, transition from the creators of the show. They brought Dan Gunselman and Steve Marshall over. And they said, you know, they were asked, well, who's going to cast the show? And they said, well, isn't Diane here? <laughs> <laughs> and they they were terrific. And I, you know, ended up knowing a lot of other people from, I had been in a, a casting assistant on a show called WKRP in Cincinnati. Love that. Yeah. And so that's what I, how I knew them. And is that, I mean, is that was, I mean, head of, head of the class was also sort of like in the 80s and yes. um, 
right yeah yeah Mindy Marin cast that to my recollection mm -hmm. and it was the same kind of thing also a Warner Brothers show same lot Mindy's office and mine were close to you know together and it's uh you just run into the same people and then we moved off the lot and like I said today I um one of the seasons I brought Brad, Brad Pitt in and he got the job and then the next season, there was another role and they said, oh, what about that Brad Pitt? Or what about him? And I said, okay, so, so should I just hire? Oh, no, he's got to come in and read again. And I said, but you hired him last year. <laughs> you know he's good, right? <laughs> you know he's good. Oh, no, bring him in. And this is something I'll, I'll never forget. I saw him coming for the reading and at the Warner Brothers Ranch, which is where we were located. And I, I said, oh, Brad, Brad, oh, and I ran over to him. And I said, thank you so much for coming in to read for this. I really, really appreciate it, even though you did the show last year. And he was just one of the greatest guys. He said, no problem whatsoever. I'm happy to come in. Thank you for the opportunity again. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know. I mean, and he's just such a huge actor now. Yeah. And he's got his start on Growing Pains in a way. Um, yeah, he, he, well, there's a whole other story about all of that. Mm. But it, it's, um, he did a couple episodes, got great response. And I'm always reading things in about where I see about him because he was so nice and people from his hometown would write in oh yeah I saw him on a couple of episodes of Growing Pains a long time ago <laughs> you know that kind of a thing yeah. um but we also had George Clooney came in and read for Growing Pains on multiple occasions and never got hired which I always felt bad about because again another great human being and a good actor obviously in the intervening year we is terrific but isn't that odd to you that like some of these guys go on to these huge careers and they couldn't they couldn't get the growing pains you know what i mean yeah. it's it's, it's weird right well yes and no because you know depending on what the producers wanted if it was something different sure. than what i saw um okay but it's again like we've talked about you know matt damon on 90210 yeah how many times I'd love to go back. I would love to have my casting list back. I'm getting, putting the threads back together saying, okay, how many times did I, did I bring him in? Cause I knew it was a lot. And, yeah. but you know what? It's, it's so Yeah. It's life in Hollywood. All right. This is great. Fan slant fan fest is coming up. We'll let you know about that. And, uh, Thank you so much for all of this, Peter. Thank you for hounding me. And, with you. You, I, I mean, I knew this was going to be great. I knew that the fans would love it. And I knew that, you know, you would have some really good insight. Because as I said, and I said it to Ro before, and I've said it to you, you know, thank you for casting this show. You gave us so many, so much life to the characters that were written on paper. You saw them in a way before anybody else saw them. And it, 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 it made an impact on so many people's lives the series has and the actors have have you know transcended something that is so special so and that and you had a large part of that it's um i'm very grateful to have been included on this and i my niece adria i promised her i'd give her a shout out she's the one who said <laughs> yeah introduced she goes, oh, us that's my aunt, and contacted larry mullen and that's how all of this happened after a couple of years and we tried and we couldn't figure out how to get a hold of you we asked around and nobody knew how to get a hold of you and yeah. 
but that happened and that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and which means to me it was meant to be, and I hesitated, but a friend of mine here, my friend Bruce Bailey, who owns Roost, said, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it, and so, okay, okay, and it took me a while in the midst we, of moving and stuff, and I am very grateful to you for hounding me and coming course. out. And I'm happy to do it. Um, all right, so if people want to come with all these people, if people want to come see you up at this wine bar and they're in Washington, it's what is it called? Is it's Roost? It's called Roost. Okay. R-O-O-S-T, like a chicken roost. Yeah, and may, and they can Roosting. ask around and find you and maybe you can. Um, that might be a little <laughs> bit difficult here. But do not move in next, rude. don't move in next to her. Don't, <laughs> you know, don't hound her on any kind of social media. Just 101 West 3rd Avenue in, in <laughs> Moses Lake. Roost. Amazing. Yes. So thank you for the uh the, the plug. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So well, much. good you talking are to you. Terrific. Thank you. We'll be in touch. I'm okay. sure many more things. So uh thank you so much for this. Thank and you so much, Peter, for everything you did.